Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Leftovers Podcast with Derek Kramer. I'm going to say a stupid thing right now. Pudding. Where's my money? Frank R. Curry. I didn't say run through a wall. Do it again? Okay. And Kyle Powell. The Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR550.com. Welcome to another episode of the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. Who? Yeah, I know. Who the hell is this guy? I'm back again. And now, and... And Kyle Powell. The boys are back. All three reunited, and it does feel so good sometimes. But then there's other times where I want to crash through a wall, Frank R. Curry style. <laughs> As I mentioned to Frank, because he popped in for the second half of the pod back on Thursday when I had talked with Mark Schofield, Frank then popped in, and we I, I told him of our ideas of what Frank was doing while he was away for so long. So, yes, who the hell are you? Actually, here, start to finish for, for the first time since, I don't know. It's been a while. July. Might actually be. Might actually be. Because it's only the 19th. Mm, you went on a week August. vacation. Yeah. yeah, you might be in early August. But even for hyperbole effect, that's not that inaccurate. No, it's not. So, guys, week three is here. In the preseason, which means that the most quote-unquote legitimate look of starting players is coming in the preseason. And all fantasy players, first off, are cringing. Anyone that's drafted a team now is like, please, just everybody get up. I I am part of that. Only one league I've got that problem. And I'm already dealing with injuries. Let me see. Let's see what's going on. So... Here it is, the dress rehearsal, quote-unquote, week for the NFL in the preseason. And the Bills couldn't be honestly looking any better. Granted, star players have been sitting in both of the games that they've played against with teams. But the Bills really, right now, could not be looking any better. And if you take the preseason pledge, you're kind of just like taking it with a grain of salt, but you're also looking at Allen to Cole Beasley, and you're like, Yeah, I don't care if it's preseason. That happens all the time. We're in good shape. I like that. And that's the game of Cole Beasley is that he tends to do that a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And if Allen's willing and able to hit him on a consistent basis, defenses might have a problem. Because then you got to pay more attention to Cole Beasley. What are you doing? Well, you got a single high safety. What's a bad idea with a single high safety? Robert Foster, John Brown, in the arm of Josh Allen. Because all it takes is one guy to run faster than the other one, and then there's a problem. So I actually really like the focus that they've put in the preseason on getting Josh Allen a lot of passing repetitions. He attempted six passes on his first drive in his first game and ended up with nine in total. This game, he ends up with 11 in two drives and eight on the first drive. 
and I'm and I'm convinced the only reason that he had three passing attempts on that second drive was because they only had 30 some odd yards to go because Andre Roberts is a good punt returner and we haven't had that in a while yeah I think it was a smart decision on top of having Josh Allen pass as much as he has but obviously getting used to the new weapons and one of which being Cole Beasley who had a great Friday night you know watching him a lot in the NFC East over the years he's one of those rare receivers you see well not rare because there are exceptions and there are standout guys on a lot of teams over the years in, in the NFL but he's one of those guys in today's football in today's day and age that actually can make a QB better because he's just an absolute ball magnet watching him in Dallas for years torment the Eagles I mean the guy just the ball sticks to him he knows how to make plays even when there's not a lot of space he just he's like a long-haired Walmart version of Wes Walker, if you want Walmart to call him like that. Walmart version of Wes Walker. <laughs> the guy just wow. knows how to make plays. The ball gets in his hand, and he is, he is a, a pest. He's also shown that he works so much better with the young quarterbacks, too. He's His best two years in Dallas were when Dak Prescott was the starter because Prescott's got that safety valve guy to go to in Beasley. Yep. And, this is and exactly now that. Allen's got that. Because the Bills have so many questions at tight end right now, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But when you have those kinds of questions, and tight ends have often been seen as those safety valves for a young passer, no, this time what do you got? Well, you've got a guy in Cole Beasley who, yes, you can make those catches in tight spaces, but one of his greatest strengths is creating space. Where even a problematic QB can look at him and go, that guy's wide open. And then only Blaine Gabbert could misfire on him because he's Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, his first five steps off the snap are great. And you'll see a lot of that if you haven't already in the preseason. Yeah, no. It's not some, oh, my God, this is a blip on the radar. That's that's his M.O. And if they force-feed him the football like that, fantasy angle, Cole Beasley could be a late steal. Mm-hmm. Especially PPR. Especially in mm-hmm. PPR. He's a must-have, I think, at this point in PPR because of the fact that the Bills seem to be paying so much attention to him. And all these people saying, oh, my God, the Bills overpaid for Cole Beasley. Based on the usage, maybe they didn't. And if this production could go well into the regular season at this pace, then you might have underpaid him. And, yes, I know, I'm kind of overreacting to a preseason game. But this minutia, this particular thing about the preseason game that I watched – is something that is very commonplace in the NFL and the regular season. Cole Beasley getting open, creating custom routes or decision routes where he has to find out what that linebacker is doing and then make the decision going in route, out route, the stick route kind of thing where you find out where you're going with this and then you plant, you figure out where he's going, you go the opposite way and you're wide open. And then the quarterback has to be able to hit you on a consistent basis. Allen did that. Yes, Josh Allen from quarter to quarter is an enigma. You don't know what you're getting. You don't know how you feel about him. But I also do think that if he's able to have this kind of chemistry with Cole Beasley, you have to feel good about what's going on. Simple as that. The rest of it, I mean, Allen misfired on two passes. One was a throwaway, and the other was a drop. He almost Nathan Peterman out there in the preseason where a ball would not have hit the ground, which would have been very impressive. And with the bringing up of a name like Peterman, 
the Bills are looking good offensively. How much do you put into it? How much do you really look at this and go, is this the team that we have? Because if so, I'll okay. take this. Because the only drive they didn't get points on in the four that they've been out there was a missed field goal. Where Zay Jones also should have caught the touchdown pass. That's another talking point, too. That is another talking point, mm-hmm. too. But, like, the way that they've looked, it's almost too good. Don't even bother running the football, basically, what we're seeing. That's where the vanilla defenses of the preseason can fool you. But I do like what I've seen so far. I like what I've seen from Cole Beasley. I love what I've seen from Cole Beasley, I should say. And I really like that Tommy Sweeney, the seventh-round tight end, has decided to take this opportunity and run with it. I don't know what would have happened if he didn't uh, reel in that football. Um, He goes down the seam, catches it, gets hit, hits the ground, ball pops up. If that goes the other way, uh, we might be talking a little differently about Tommy Sweeney there. But he's able to just bring it back in, and everyone's wondering, well, are they going to challenge that? Is that a catch? What is a catch? We went back to that old drama. Ah, yes. The rearing of the ugly head. Speaking of the ugly head, this pass interference thing is something we absolutely need to touch on. Let's finish up with the Bills first and get to that because that needs that needs to be addressed now. And by now, I mean in a couple of moments. The defense, I mean, you haven't faced Andrew Luck. You haven't faced Cam Newton. How good are you really? I still think they're really good. I don't need to worry about the defense. I'm not worrying about the defense. I don't really even care too much when they're out there on the field. Why? Well, one, they're facing backup quarterbacks, and two, they're good. So naturally, that's a lot of three and outs. I'm okay. Get me back to the offense. Good. I also love that Brian Dable is putting points of emphasis on whatever group is out there. First team, it's been a lot of the passing game. It's been a lot of Josh Allen. The minute Allen is gone, the first drive out, Devin Singletary. Lots of Devin Singletary. Singletary only had that other drive, and he was done before halftime. But they force-feed him the football. And I love being able to see that. Then it gets into a more balanced attack once Barkley and the others take over. But there's points of emphasis, and that's what I love seeing right now out of Brian Dables. He wants to look at this. He wants to evaluate this. And he's putting big focus on them on those drives. That, to me, sounds like an offensive coordinator that gets it. Good Lord, don't go away for a little while, Brian Dable. We'd like to keep you around. One other thing I guess we should mention before we move away from the Bills is uh, Tyree Jackson's two weeks of struggles. Tyree Jackson is unfortunately driving the struggle bus. Mm -hmm. Um, Not being able to see the game. On Friday night, I did read recaps and see stats, though, and I believe the QB play as a whole was promising. I mean, it was like you take out. it with a grain of salt, but Josh mm-hmm. Allen, I believe, 9 of 11, Barkley, 8 of 10, and then the standout was Tyree Jackson, 4 of 10? Yes. And a after bad a, interception. A bad interception, and after a not so special two first appearance. Where he was 2 of 10 against Indy. Yeah. Jackson is kind of making the decision easy on the rostering and how players might look coming into it. But they, he also might be making the decision harder on this team, saying, do we carry a third quarterback? Because if Allen or Barkley goes down, 
Jackson has looked bad. Do we need a third quarterback? Like, there might be that question going on right now. And that might affect the roster turnout. Yep. Jackson made it easy that they could practice squad this guy, and there's going to be no risk of anyone claiming him. However, he's been so bad at this point. Can you even justify that spot on the practice squad? Not even that. Not even that. Do we have another option in case there's an injury at quarterback? You might keep also him around true. on the practice squad for the athleticism, for the ability to be the, you know, the scout team guy. But when the live bullets have been going on, Tyree Jackson has not been good. So he might be a good practice squad quarterback for now, but he may not be ready for any sort of backup capacity in terms of an injury. And that's going to leave the Bills scouting around the league and figuring out, okay, who's going to be available on the open market. There might be a guy who makes the opening 53 and he's not there on Tuesday because a quarterback has come available and they made a waiver claim. So, yes, Tyree Jackson is a bit of a concern at this point. But do you think that with that concern – the Bills would sign a guy before training camp ends? Yes. Oh, not before training camp ends. I think they're going to go waiver with this. They might wait till after the 53-man roster? Yeah, they might wait for all the cuts to happen, and then when a player drops, that's when they'll make their move. I can see that, too. Because the last thing that I think they want to do at this point is scramble at the quarterback position. Yeah. They know they have their starter in Josh Allen. They know they have a quality backup in Matt Barkley. They played four quarterbacks last year. Mm-hmm. Injuries happen. They need to be prepared for that. Otherwise, you get a Derek Anderson who has really showed, like, who really showed that he uh, was trying to be retired. And then you have Nathan Peterman, twice, three times, and Lashawn McCoy, who showed promise in the Wildcat. okay but obviously they're going to be scouring the waiver wire because jackson has not been reliable even to be a backup and it's unfortunate to say because you know the guy plays down the road at ub and he looks very good doing so people thought the man should have been drafted and he's unfortunately kind of showing why he wasn't and i and then i saw an interesting tweet from somebody saying that Tyree Jackson looks like what the national people think Josh Allen is. The wildly inaccurate quarterback that cannot make a good decision to save his life right now. And I want Tyree Jackson to bounce back big time. And he's going to get that fourth game, that whole game to do so. Because the Bills are going to have to make a decision at this point. Because, Kyle, you did bring up the question, and I dismissed it immediately, which was, is he worth even keeping on the practice squad right now? Well, that fourth game, he might need to show that. And in, and if he does not do well in the third game, for example, in whatever time that he gets, because I'd imagine the starters go to half, Barkley gets the third quarter, Jackson will probably get the fourth. If he struggles there too, then, Frank, we might see a quarterback signed before training camp ends, or preseason ends, excuse me. Yeah. Then we might see that. 
because that might be Jackson, you're going to be able to get this game, but they also might sign a quarterback just so that they can say, okay, if Jackson gets hurt in this fourth preseason game, we've got a guy that can at least finish the game out without bringing Barkley or Allen into this, which I think is the last thing you want at this point. It does also make decisions on the roster a little harder. Do they go seven wide receivers or are they going three quarterbacks? Like, There's a lot of questions to be asked, and if Jackson was – trying to make a decision hard for them well he's doing it in a way that we didn't think or hope would be the case now what do you do at receiver how many corners are you keeping for example the defensive ends are looking like a fantastic thing like daryl johnson or mike love do you end up keeping both of them are you keeping five guys there's tough decisions to be made here Do you keep the bland wide receiver that is equivalent to ordering milk at a bar? Dude. Yeah, you missed that. You missed that one. I I missed something. You did. Um, We were trying to describe Zay Jones, and then Kyle came up with the greatest word to compare him, and it's bland. There's no elite trait that sticks out to him. I don't know where milk at a bar came out of, but uh, you know what? That's what we ended up on. I mean, that is bland. Like, and then, you don't do and, that. And then Joe That's DiBiase bad. brought in a different comparison when I told him about it. He said, plain wheat thins. <laughs> Takes a special <laughs> kind of taste to enjoy those on their own. Exactly. And I think that's also a great comparison is Zay Jones, when it comes to wide receivers, is plain wheat thins. Where Cole Beasley right now seems like Doritos. Spicy sweet chili Doritos. No, no, no. He's not he's not that dynamic. Ah. He's he's dependable. That's what it's looking like. What kind of chips would be dependable at a party? I mean Doritos generally. Your standard nacho cheese doritos we're giving plugs to chips right now <laughs> pay us john <laughs> john brown he's got a little bit of spiciness with that speed fair you might go with a spicy chip for him robert foster same kind of thing maybe a salt and vinegar doesn't have it all so therefore it's not he's not for everybody but at the same time he's got something and those people that like that oh, oh you're going to enjoy that And then Andre Roberts looks like, you know, like your general classic chip. This guy's going to make this roster. He's got versatility to him. Therefore, a lot of people like that. And then Zay Jones, plain wheat thins. We just described a party. Josh Allen, hot sauce. We've got all the party ingredients for Bills games. There you go. For the Bills wide receivers, at least. And that leaves you for interesting questions, though, as to what you do at the wide receiver position, what you do at defensive end, as we went down a rabbit hole there. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made, and going back to it, Tyree Jackson's struggles have put a different question into your head. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. 
But right now, for me, on Friday, I'm just saying the same two words after every play. Get up. Just get up. That's it. Get up. I don't care how they look. I don't care how bad they do. I don't care how good they do. Get up. No medical tent. No trainers. Just be healthy for the love of everything. Amen. Mm -hmm. Do you know who got up today? I'm not even going to try to be clever. Go for it. Okay. He got up on his very cold feet and walked over to Raiders practice. (laughs) Yes, we had an Antonio Brown sighting for Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport at uh, Raiders practice for the first time in, Lord, weeks? Not since, what, their first practice when he showed up in a hot air balloon? (laughs) And and in an improper painted helmet? There were some interesting words from Mike Mayock, by the way, like leading up to that the day before. It's like you guys handed him fistfuls of money, $50 million guaranteed, and now by August you're already making a statement of you're either all in or you're all out on Antonio Brown. It's kind of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Not for the Raiders. You traded a third and a fifth round pick for him. Of course you make that deal. It's embarrassing for Antonio Brown, honestly kind of like i'm already really sick of it could you imagine if he was here no i don't want to no like that headache is louder it's already annoying watching it from oakland right now amplified here good lord that would be a nightmare at this point and to think that the bills were looking into a deal with antonio brown and luckily nothing happened we're cool. We're good. I don't even need to worry, really worry about how much of it has to be believed. If the Bills were linked and now they don't have him and this is what you could have ended up with, it's a win. It's a win. I'll take it. It is a win. I've, I've seen Mercurial wideouts before, but uh, Brown's looking a little ridiculous, and it's good that his cold feet are finally trying to uh, warm up to his new team. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we have no idea what he's going to do with Derek Carr. I mean, it's Antonio Brown. Throw him the football in his general direction, he's going to come up with it. But the minute that he doesn't get a touchdown and he complains about it on the sideline, what's Derek Carr going to do about it? What's his team going to do about it? If you embolden him and empower him too much, you end up with a Steelers situation. Yelling at the quarterback. Kind of just becoming an uncontrollable diva. Derek Carr's going to need to figure out what he has to do to help with that. I don't know if it's more Derek Carr. It better more, be. I'm saying is, how's Gruden going to handle it? Gruden does. Gruden's not important to me in this situation. The thing is... Because Gruden's not the guy me, that has to work with him every play. Sure, but... I think the biggest I think the biggest thing about what happened with AB in Pittsburgh was Mike Tomlin enabled him all the time. Mike Tomlin never made Antonio Brown accountable for anything. Perhaps and that's he does why... and he did that with a lot of his players. Perhaps that's why I'm not worried about Gruden. 
because Gruden's more of that disciplinarian. He's been that guy for a very long time. We only don't remember this because, well, before he came back to the Raiders, he was in a booth, and we all forgot about Chucky. Yeah. Because he just kept telling us about how he, what he loved about each guy, and it's like, John, Gruden, who the hell are you right now? Because I need that yelling evil guy that uh, was known for being angry, trying to tear down the foundation of somebody to build him back up. Instead, we're talking about how much he loves this guy in Nathan Peterman at Gruden's QB camp. It's so precious. It's cute, isn't it? He was such a love fest guy at ESPN that you forget that he was a disciplinarian. I'm not worried about Gruden. I'm worried about Carr, whose confidence was broken down last year. And now you've got a head case in your huddle. And let's be clear, Carr, this is your huddle. Yeah. Make sure it stays that way. Absolutely. That's return what to, I'm worried about. Return to 2017 form if you're him. Because like, I recall having Derek Carr in fantasy, and he made decisions on the weekly between himself and Aaron Rodgers that year difficult. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was that good. He, where They were just really good that year. And then he, oh. break, and then he breaks his leg. and Ugh. like Everyone's looking at the Raiders like, could they knock down the Patriots? Could we stop seeing New England in the Super Bowl? Guys, the Raiders are back. The Raiders are back. Think about it. Two years ago, they were a double-digit win team. And Derek Carr was a large reason of that. Gruden shows up and everything deteriorates. The man reportedly cries, which, I mean, yeah, I get it. It's a macho man NFL. But, dude, if you get beaten down like the way Derek Carr was getting, I might shed a tear. Yeah. I think I shed a tear from a distance. Just like one long tear like for, for Derek Carr. Yeah, we'll see how he bounces back. It's a completely different offensive scheme from two years ago. That, it's a different scheme. It's been scheme. ravaged. No it's Cooper. It's a different scheme. No different Crabtree. Roster. No Murray. I don't even know if Donald Penn's around there anymore. No Marshawn. No Marshawn, no yeah. No Marshawn Lynch, right. And now, the loudest receiver in the NFL. I'm just worried it's going to be one of those things where he's going to basically demand the ball force-fed to him. And Carr is going to make some bad decisions when Brown isn't open because there's going to be a large focus on him. Mm-hmm. And bad decisions turn into bad turnovers, blah, 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 blah. Those kinds of things. They escalate, and we see another broken-down version of Derek Carr. I'm curious, though, about the weapon. Do you, have you had a fantasy draft yet, Frank? Uh, I had a rookie draft. A rookie draft, okay. You had a full-on draft? Not yet. Not yet, okay. So Mine are coming. That's my question. I, I do have one coming, though. Okay. I can tell you at least then that in my 10-team draft I did last Sunday, because I, I, I was going to ask you guys, I was curious where Brown went in your drafts. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't had a chance to. Because I'm sure the ADP will change a lot now that it, he's at least back at practice. And as your drafts come, it may rise. But as I, th- I believe we had ours last Sunday. So Sunday the 11th, still in limbo. Still didn't know if he's going to have his feet. I think we were in the middle of the helmet crisis. He went fifth round, seventh overall. 47th overall to Che so in mid, the picks. So mid-fifth. Mid-fifth. In a 10-team standard league. So that would, if by 12 teams, probably be possibly late fourth. Yeah. It would be the second to last pick of the fourth. Yeah. That sounds kind of legitimate because without all these problems, if he was a stealer, he'd be a first-round pick. He'd be the first or second receiver taken. 
And I took the first receiver of this draft in DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there'd be questions. Mm-hmm. If Brown didn't blow up into a head case, there would be questions. Hopkins or A.B.? You'd have to ask mm-hmm. that question. Mm-hmm. Right now, just like his real-life trade value, he kind of torpedoed this value with what was an avoidable foot issue and a very avoidable helmet issue. This is a guy that, oh, man. I'm, I'm just so glad we don't have to deal with this. We did for like six hours. And it was a fun six hours to talk about. But that's it. It was over by the time everyone woke up the next day. We're just all here just like <laughs> laughing at the Raiders and also going, Exactly. Clearing the sweat off our foreheads like, glad we didn't have to go through Oof, that. Yeah, where our names were linked to it, and we had that one day where we had to talk about it, but uh, <laughs> that was only one day. A fateful night, night during a Sabres game. A fateful night for, his, for a Sabres game where they – did they beat Detroit that night? I don't, I don't remember. remember. I know they played Detroit. All I know is we barely talked Sabres pregame that evening on the network. Yep. Because the news broke during the third period. And then, oh, yeah, postgame was just – Whilst I was producing, Brian obviously was getting ready to host, and all of a sudden, the wide eyes through the through the through the glass. Did you see Twitter? Who's hurt? Who's dead? What happened? What did I miss? Have I not been paying enough attention to the Sabers game? That news. Joe yeah, no, comes in, and then two hours later, we're just fumbling, stumbling, rumbling, waiting for that second confirmation from anybody in the league, and it never came. And it's wild. following instagram posts from the guy twitter comments what little easter eggs is he leaving for us weird night it was a weird night it was a fun night but a weird night and i love that none of us even remember who they played that day not i'm pretty sure it was detroit but i could be wrong and that's how forgettable the sabers have been throughout all of this they had a game that day. We cannot recall the team and if they actually won the game or not. <laughs> Ugh. Get better soon, Sabres. We'd like to talk to you, talk about you in a better way, in a much better light. That'd be great. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Speaking of things that are in a bad light, though, this pass interference thing. First off, Sean Payton could go to hell. Yeah, you've been pretty outspoken about that. Like, we're two weeks into the preseason, and I already hate this rule. A lot. Because here's the problem. Pass interference is what has been deemed by referee crew to referee crew a subjective call. All penalties generally tend to be. Um, 
There are some that are more concrete than others, like offsides. If you line up offsides, you're going to get called for offsides. Before we... Before Am I right, D. Ford? Yes. You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, I found the Sabres game. What was it? Was it Chicago? Yes. It was Chicago. It was, it was a, the shootout loss to wrong Chicago. Wrong original 16. Wow. I remember that game because you were going ballistic because Zemkis Gergensen scored a goal. Right. That was at your house. Yes. <laughs> but... Okay. But that, but clearly I didn't even remember either because I thought it was Detroit. Yeah. But yeah, no, Sean Payton can go to hell. The Saints can go to hell. And right now, after already two weeks of this stupid rule that I already hated before it was even implemented and used in real-life situations, I hope that the New Orleans Saints lose an NFC championship game because of a pass interference call that gets reversed. That's what I want now. I want this. I want the Saints to have to be defending, say, maybe the Rams again. And Bob Woods gets, you know, possibly held around, interfered with on this play. And the booth reviews it, and it is defensive pass interference. And now the Rams are in field goal range, and they kick a field goal with four seconds left to defeat the New Orleans Saints in the NFC Championship game to go back to the Super Bowl and make Saints fans hella salty for the second year in a row. He just called him Bob Woods. I did. He did. I love me some Bob Woods. I stopped listening after that. <laughs> Listen, I hated when Robert Woods left. I respected why he wanted to go play closer to home, but I really liked Robert Woods. So much that you're allowed to be on a name-to-name basis like that? Oh, one? I'm not. I'm pretty D? sure. I'm prob- I'm, he probably has no idea who I am. By probably, he definitely has no idea who I am. But I just felt like calling him Bob Woods. Bob, Bobbert. I'm not going to say Robbie. That just seems Here's how my mind works. Here's here's what happened when you said that. So Bob Woods. (laughs) Here's the correlations I made. Obviously, I know you're talking about Robert Woods. I was just taken aback that you called him Bob. So I'm thinking of all the Bobs I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also realizing that his last name reminds me of golf. Tiger Woods. So what did you end up with? So I ended up with Bob and golf. And all I could, all I had in my head that entire time you were talking about that scenario was Bob Barker beating up Happy Gilmore. <laughs> that's what you just did to me. Right here. First off, what you described was genuinely a you problem. <laughs> that also means that you just recently watched Happy Gilmore. No, I actually did not. I haven't seen that movie in a good little while. And he just remembers that scene. But yeah, it is a memorable Bob Woods, scene. It was. But brains, brains are crazy. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you went down a rabbit hole, and then the next thing you know, Bob Barker beating up Happy Gilmore. Yeah, all because I said Bob Woods. Bob Woods. Bob Golf. Bob Barker. I think you've had enough. That's it. But you know what? I'm I'm okay that you said this because I'm pretty sure I just would have went into salty mode and just kept complaining. Um, the rules already looking bad. There was a call for offensive pass interference in a Bengals Redskins game. And uh, 
The receiver goes up for it. I think it was Washington. I don't remember who the player was. Goes up to go get it. And, um, oh, it was one of the rookies. Calvin Harmon goes up to get this football. And it looks like it's defensive pass interference. And they call it on Harmon. Jay Gruden, obviously pissed, takes his red little challenge flag and just chucks it across the field. I'd be that mad. I'd be petty enough to, to just like, I love when coaches do one of two things. They either drop it right in front of the referee or they just send it so he has to actually go and get it. Like, those are the petty things that I live for right there. Like, you might throw your arm out doing that, but I'm the guy that, go get it. You're a, you're a jerk. I don't like you. That was a terrible call. And then, after looking at it, the call stands. When it should have been defensive pass interference, let alone not offensive pass interference. And if this is what we have to deal with, this rule is going to be around for like maybe a year. Or like a month and the elite is going to tell, tell their teams just don't use it because it's, it's bad. Teams are going to be like, yeah, this is bad. I'm just not going to use it. They might NHL it and just bury it and not tell anyone. Yeah. But that, that's what I mean. They wouldn't NHL it. The NHL's stupid. The NFL's stupid, too. The NFL is greedy. Rarely are they this dumb. We're talking Batman, dude. Come on. We're talking Goodell. We're talking Batman. You want to you challenge me on this one? No, I'm not. But I'm, Thank you. But they're both, I'm rocking they're easily both different the, levels of dumb. No, no, no. There's... there's they're, they, you're right. They are different levels of dumb. Goodell's down here. Batman is, like, on the floor. <laughs> if you wanted a derp of a commissioner, you get Gary Batman to do it. Man. At least Roger Goodell acknowledges that CTE is real. There is that. Challenging me on Goodell being even close to as dumb as Gary Batman. Come on, man. Come on. You're better than this. You are better than this. But yeah, no, the uh, pass interference challenge rule can go to hell. Because again, referees make honest mistakes. Like that review call. That's a bad offensive PI call. You had a second chance to look at it, though. You still thought it was that. All right. That's your call. And guess what? For some reason... That one ref didn't think that Roby Coleman didn't blast into a wide receiver for New Orleans. Not a good call. That's your mistake. It's a mistake. Just pride getting in the way at that point. Yeah. What are you going to do when your pride, like, that's your call. You made that call, and someone says, no, you are not right on this. Here's a flag to go ahead and tell you to go look at it again and think about what you did with your life. But that referee doesn't look at the call again. That's the strangest thing. So what are you going to do? Are you going to undermine one of your officials? Apparently not. Apparently not. This is a very slippery slope, and I don't think that this rule is going to last for more than a year. There's no way. No way. I think I agree with you. Yeah. But before it goes away, I want Sean Payton to be claimed by it. 
be stricken down by his own hand. Because it's one thing for a fan base to not get over things. I still call it the Music City Forward Pass, for example. But I'm not bitching about a new rule or a fan base trying to sue the league because of a mistake that was made. Was it a wrong call? Yes. Did my team's head coach go complaining all the way through to the next season? No. Oh, and by the way, Sean, you had like two chances still to win it. So shut up. Your defense could have stopped the Rams from going down the field and forcing overtime. Your quarterback, who is a Hall of Famer, could have not thrown an interception in overtime. But no, it's that ref's fault exclusively. Grow up. Go get yourself another stupid bounty gate, you jackass. Or maybe skull clap and then get beat by the Vikings on a last-second miracle play. As you can tell, I don't like Sean Payton. I think he's overrated, and I think Drew Brees is a large portion for his success. Yeah, this is this is deep. This is deep hate right now. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here for it. What can I say I'm an angry little man sometimes? And sometimes I get hysterical. And these are one of those things. He's sometimes gonna be, he's going to be super mad when the Saints go to the Super Bowl this year. I'll be honestly, I'll be hella pissed, but I then I want that Super Bowl to have a pass interference call. That doesn't go the Saints' way on a review. It, it legit might. The Saints have been going in this. They get one thing happens in the divisional game one year. The next year it's the championship game. Now the next year it's the Super Bowl. So you're saying the heartbreak escalates. Yes. He does the skull clapping and chanting toward Vikings fans, and then the next thing you know, that play happens. The, the Minneapolis Miracle. And then the next year, he goes ahead and tries to storm into the NFC Championship game, and then the Rams have other ideas, and then the ref has another idea, mm-hmm. too. Conference championship <laughs> what game. What is that guy looking at, by the way? I will never know. I don't know. I will always be bewildered by that. Like, refs have a hard job. That's not a hard call. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> There's some easy calls. That was one But of then them. again, like, I also see the Saints going to the Super Bowl because Drew Brees is going to be – doing the revenge tour thing and giving everyone the middle finger to avenge that game. Yeah, and their team is just good enough, too. Exactly, that, too. I just want the door shut on them via that rule that they brought into this world. That's it. That's all I want. Derek doesn't ask for much. He doesn't. Just one particular thing in this. Just one. I'm asking for players to get up in this preseason game and not get hurt. And I'm asking for Sean Payton to lose an important game in the playoffs via a pass interference review. I'd like the Bills to make the playoffs. And for that to happen, that first thing has to happen where everyone stays healthy. We'll see if Santa likes you this year. Nobody likes me, Kyle. 
Not even some dude in a red suit. Frank came back to vacation. He likes you enough to be here. You see, you're making a lot of assumptions here now, Kyle. You know what assuming does. Makes an ass out of me. That is not how we spell the word assume. Well, I'm just pointing in particular. You as well, because you're making the assumption, but mostly me. Because if Frank can help me on this one, what is one of the things that most people tend to do in my life? Who do they blame for things that go badly, even even though I have nothing to do with it? I'm pointing at Derek. I get blamed for the dumbest things. I even blame myself for things that I didn't do. Seems unhealthy. Self-depreciating humor is the best kind of humor that I tend to have on my side. It means that I actually do have a lot of faith and confidence in myself, and I just blame myself for the stupid things just to have a laugh. Because also, as anyone here in the GR studios would tend to learn at this point, I could be a cocky little brat. You're here. Look at the 11-day power play. Yep. I've already driven my boss up a wall about that. Scored five goals in two games, and uh, and I haven't let him uh, hear the end of it. So, yes, if you believe in yourself, make fun of yourself. I guess that's a weird way of looking at life, isn't it? But it's your way. And I also like Dem's gold jerseys, dude. Those were very cool. Those were very nice. Like, a lot of... Everyone was worried about, you know, when are they ever going to go back to the Royal Blue? Then they announce it. And then people are still kind of skeptical. It's like, is this really a return? Or are they only going to bring it back as a third? Or anything like that? And they're like, no, next year, that's straight up our our jersey this year we've got that gold jersey and we're rocking the navy for the rest of the year but we're going full back to royal blue keep the original striping just take the jersey they have now and switch the navy with royal blue that's <laughs> just it. and just photoshop it that's all yeah, you gotta that's do it. just photoshop it that's it that's, <laughs> that's all, all you, that's do. all they have to do and then you have one of the best jerseys in the entire nhl on a full-time basis because the whites with the royal blue setup easily one of the best jerseys ever Mm-hmm. I just love that scheme and how it looks. And the Sabres are also playing 13 games with white jerseys at home. Bring the trend back. Because then other fans can enjoy our Royal Blues. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by that. That's nearly 33% of the home schedule this year. Welcome yeah. to Leftovers, where we do math. Yeah. And... It also just it just looks fresh. One of the weird things about the uh, Sabres 50th, I mean the 40th, excuse me, when it was the Royal Blue, that Buffalo, mm-hmm. and like they had four stripes. Yes, I get it, one for each decade. Even stripes don't tend to do well. Got to go odd number of stripes. Got to go three, got to go five. And that's what the Sabres 50th is. Obviously, they keep to that homage of one stripe for each decade. But it looks better. Because of that. Because even stripes just seems weird, doesn't it? So in 10 years, Frank, Derek will just be mad again about six stripes. I'm not going to be mad. <laughs> it's just going to look weird. That's all. Also, six stripes might be overkill. Think about it. 
That's a lot of stripes at the bottom of a jersey. That that could get quite distracting. On the sleeves? Yeah, like, I don't know. Anyway, these jerseys look really dope. And there's a lot of things that the Sabres have done wrong in recent memory, even with their promoting and everything like that. It's like, you know what? You, you, you nailed this one. Kudos to you. Because there's a lot of things that we've seen, and it's just like, I don't know, this seems like a bad idea. I mean, the turd burger, for one thing. I mean, I would have, I always was interested in seeing what yellow could look like for a Sabres uni. And then they didn't even stick that the whole way. They half and halved it for one of the ugliest-looking jerseys of all time. And now I never want to see the Sabres in yellow ever again. Like, they ruined that thought for me. I was always intrigued by that. Not anymore. Now this gold comes out. Oh, that logo, by the way. Easily the freshest thing about it is the detail, the gold for the crest. Far and away the best part of that jersey. It's going to look fly. Mm -hmm. And, guys, what do you think about white gloves? I'm here for them. I'm not... I'm not against it. I think if you could, as long as you can pull it off, yeah, then by all means go for it. I and think the white pants would have been overkill. Have, yeah, the white pants would have been overkill, but the white gloves, the um, blue pants, like, yeah, I, I'm down for it. Yeah, no, this was a really good design by them, and like I said, they've done a lot of things wrong, even just with designs. Hey, we're bringing back the old Sabres Uni. Okay, it's in navy. What? And this silver piping. <laughs> hey, we're gonna bring back. We're gonna bring in a new logo. Okay, we're going back to something else here. We're going with uh, some navy and gold and uh, this banana slug. What? What the hell is that? Looks like the San Diego Chargers, but not. But with a buffalo head. <laughs> They've done a lot wrong, even with uniform concepts over the years. They, I'm very thrilled about this one, though. I love gold! We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, Kyle. Yes, sir. It's Monday. And there's a team doing well that I'm very uncomfortable with doing well. Not like I don't want them to. It's just weird. I'm sure they're in their three up, three down here in the baseball world. I have one of their players. Again? Oh, yeah. Why don't you just talk about the whole team at that point? Because the whole team's weird. I don't want to talk about the whole team. I want to but spotlight the guy be, that's doing things. But that guy has been doing this all year. The team? He's like still not in a playoff spot. Really? Okay. That makes more sense then. 
That makes sense, but they're still there. And now everyone's like, stop playing the pronoun game, even though if you don't know who we're talking about at this point. If you point, don't know who, you're, who we're talking about. Uh, even I know who I'm talking about, and I'm not a heavy baseball guy. But let's carry on with the three up, three down. Kyle, take it away. You have led me right into up number one. I mean, I thought I would play into it. Yes, I appreciate that. Real, recognize real. Real fake doors. Real fake doors is right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely some fake doors in this uh, three ups and three downs. Pete Alonzo. He did something Sunday. Shocker. Pete Alonzo doing something. Yeah. You he know. broke the ageless. Forever held National League rookie home run record that stood for all of a year. <laughs> Why do we trust him with things? Cody Bellinger, 39 <laughs> homers, sets the senior circuit mark in 2017. It lasts for an entire 2018 season and March, April, May, June, July, August. Five and a half months of 2019. Quick calendar counting radio. Quick turnaround. Thank you. For a new record. Yes. So Cody Bellinger's 39 stood for about a season and a half of 39. Alonzo hit his 40th in Kansas City on Sunday afternoon, setting a new benchmark for rookies in the National League. And he has a month and a half to really solidify this record potentially come for the all-time rookie record and where's he got to go for that he's at 40 now a year and a half back to Aaron Judge the ageless never before seen go back to the 1910s and these kids can rake of 52 mm -hmm. set also in 2017 yeah so we are here on the morning of August 19th about a month 13 home runs month and two weeks left in the season it's a lot of ball. It's a lot. And the cool thing was Cody Bellinger reached out on Twitter to Pete Alonso after the game, congratulating him. A little back and forth. Very cool. The polar bear, as he's called, is not only a chance to solidify himself as a rookie home run holder with potentially 50 or higher by the season's end, he's also a home run shy of tying the Mets single season record with 41. And that's not a rookie thing. That's all. That Mets. is all-time currently held oh, he's by gonna crush that one too. Todd Hundley in 96 and Carlos Beltran in 2006. They hold record. They oh, God, remember Carlos Beltran and Met? Hold a share of the record, yeah. <sighs> Beltran was that mm -hmm. dude? He, he was, was for a while, and then he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> then he, he did, wasn't pretty hard. He did to get the Mets Zach Wheeler, though. Yeah, so he was, he was solid. Could do worse for Mets. Oh, you could. A lot worse. For Mets. All right, up number two. Good for Pete. Zach Greinke joined an exclusive active wins list also on Sunday. He earned a victory over Oakland, and it helped him join teammate Justin Verlander with 219 career wins, and CC Sabathia of the New York Yankees, 251 career dubs. Greinke is now the third active starting pitcher currently in the league with 200 career victories, something I believe in years to come with – the Major League Baseball's different uses of starting pitchers and increased emphasis on bullpenning. I believe that down the road, 
when Hall of Fame voters are looking at starting pitchers to enshrine into the Hall of Fame, I think the new benchmark is quickly going to become something along the lines of, did you get the 200, 250 career wins instead of the elusive 300 that it has been for years and decades now? Because quite frankly, not a lot of guys are going to reach that mark anymore. And I think 2 to 250 is going to be that new like watermark of, okay, you had a good career. You were able to throw five, six innings instead of complete games. Yeah, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, CeCe's the closest right now actively to 300. He's at 49 away. Justin Verlander is going to be 37 next year. He's still 80 away. The last guy that we saw reach 300 wins, Randy Johnson a decade ago. Oh, it's been that long. It has been that long. Yeah, I think you're absolutely on to something here about that Hall of Fame searching list. So I criteria. think the criteria is going to change, and it could be something close to what Zach Greinke just achieved. But is Zach Greinke a Hall of Famer? I think when you look back at his career, there's definitely an argument to be made. Been on plenty of teams. He's traded uniforms tons of times. He has a Cy Young on his resume 10 years ago in Kansas City. I think you could make an argument. He's currently also 3-0 with a 2.37 earned run average in three starts since joining the Strohs in that blockbuster mega deal that went down right before 4 o'clock on July 31st. The rich get richer in Houston. Up number three, Rafael Devers adds his name to the record books. Devers is the first player before the age of 23 to score 100 runs and drive in 100 RBI since a guy named Miguel Cabrera in 2005. I believe the other members of the list were, jog my memory, Alex Rodriguez was definitely one of them, and I believe the other was Albert Pujols. Okay. But the most recent was Cabrera as a Marlin 14 years ago. The only other Red Sox player to do so. Would you like to gather a guess as to who Devers joined on the Red Sox all-time list of 23 or younger? To not only score 100 runs in a season, but also drive in 100. I'm going to guess Manny. That's who I was going to guess. He was an Indian. Breaking in. He did not join the Red Sox until his late 20s in free agency. I'll let you guess again. Yeah, I got nothing. Ortiz was no. a Mariner. No, Ortiz played off. for the Twins. Oh, Correct. okay. Because he got traded from the Mariners organization and then... Yes, to the Twins. The twins. While, mo- while when you get one of these, especially while working with wood, normally it is unpleasant. But this fellow's nickname called him Splendid. Yeah, I'm not going to get this. No amount of World War II service time could stop this player from reaching 500 career home runs. That long? Hmm? That long ago? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, then. Ow, man, I got a sliver of wood in my finger. I'm going to guess that this guy's name has something to do with wood. 
And now I'm envisioning Bob Barker kicking the shit out of Happy Gilmore. <laughs> what do you call this sliver of wood that's stuck in my finger that I need to get out? An annoyance. No. <laughs> a lot of pain. Yes. It's a splinter. Obviously. That's the joke. There's a name here, and I don't Yeah, care. I don't know the name. Just say the damn name. <laughs> the Splendid Splinter. What the hell kind of nickname is that? Oh, I am I'm, I'm taking... Funny that Frank's getting more mad than me. <laughs> I am taking my name off of this podcast. All right, well, spit it Okay, will you do that? Ted. Williams. Williams. <laughs> First off, Wait, I've that been, was his nickname? The Splendid I've Splinter. I've never heard of that I've nickname. I've never heard of that nickname before. I've never before. heard of that nickname before. Never. never. You can throw your hat all throw, you want. Yeah. That doesn't change that. You I've can never throw heard the that. chair if you want. Go right ahead the chair. Who the okay. hell calls someone the Splendid Splinter? Maybe that's the kind of nickname that Doug Martin gets pissed off about with Muscle Hamster. Back <laughs> in the day, like Ted Williams like, what the hell is the Splendid Splinter? There's no I such thing you, as a Splendid Splinter. I bet you if you put a poll out on Twitter right now, you will get roasted. Oh, no you doubt. You know what? Do it. Getting roasted is kind I of my see MO. Ra- I'd like to see your ratio. I would kind of. I, ha- I have an MO for kind of getting blasted for a Did lot Did you of know things. Ted Williams' nickname? One you, of his nicknames. Why don't you call me out on it? Was the Splendid Splinter. No. Tag me in it, and then we'll see how badly I get my ass whooped. Fine. Because I know what will happen. I don't need to prove anything. I know people will go ahead and mock me. And it wouldn't be the first time that this has happened. Is it bad? <laughs> is it? Let me. Let me. Is it damning? I didn't know what Catholics versus convicts was, with Notre Dame in Miami. And for the rest of the day, we did a comparison because Sal at the time did not know what the Incredibles was, despite having a small child. A small child who's five years old. The Incredibles came out fifteen years ago. I know, but this was a. Uh, it's still a kids movie. It's a dynamic kids movie that no i don't blame self not knowing the incredibles but that poll is genuinely kind of close it was like 60 40 not in my favor but it was not a bad thing but again i did get tagged in it and i did get whooped for it i bought a billsy that bills hockey jersey Nobody here liked it, and everyone made fun of me. This is true. So please, send tweet. I dare you. I think he's doing that right now. It's a normal day in the office for me. I did. Good. Feel free to retweet so your followers can think less of you. (laughs) I think that's why they follow me, (laughs) so that they can think less of me. Again, self-depreciating humor. I don't have a problem. All right, while you retweet that and Dead. Try, Done. To, try to calm down your Bring following, it. your little, your cult. Wait, why would that, why would that calm them down? I'm sp- like, this is supposed to rile them up now. Ah, this is to calm you down. Because there's no such thing as a splendid splinter. Which is the irony in the nickname. He would wear you out at the plate, but it was so nice. All to right, watch fine. You want an ironic he nickname? He was, Frank, you're the tall, skinny. He was so good and so – he had such expertise in his hitting craft 
that his opponents called him the Splendid Splinter because he was a thorn in your side. He I was a I piece of wood. By the way, he was a piece of wood in your finger that you couldn't get out when you were playing. That's him. not splendid. Why would you? But it was so nice to watch him do what he did because he was Why the greatest would... who ever lived. He was a nuisance. A splinter is a nuisance. That, that's but not he, splendid. He that's was the point the... I'm making right now. <laughs> but he was splendid in it because he was so damn good. He would go six for eight in a double hitter, double he- header, and you would slap him in the face and you would thank him. Why are you slapping him in the face? I don't know. That's I added not that. Splendid. I added that. Nothing is making okay. sense about okay. this. You okay, okay, you okay. could okay. not get him out. Let me, okay. Whether he I was have, 20 I have or a lo- 40. I have questions. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay, I have questions. Okay, Ted Williams was a thorn in the side yep. of pitchers when he batted. Okay, fine. He wore out pitchers. Okay, fine. Why would you compare that to a splinter? Because a splinter is annoying and he's annoying Because you can't pitchers. get it out. But that's Ted the first, Williams is and, a splinter. But you that's can't the first thing. I'll, I'll side on that one. The splinter is for opposing pitchers. He's really annoying. Okay, like, but even still. Why splendid? For the 98th <laughs> time. <laughs> this is not 98. I've been counting. No, I haven't, but it's not been 98. We almost had a Frank Kill moment. Fell out. Kyle is getting so Kill pissed at us that he almost fell out of his chair. chair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I get it that he no, was so I don't. good. I, this is a dumb nickname. I'm just going to say it. It's a dumb nickname. He was so good. Now you want to get mad. Here we go. It's time to rabble-rouse. This is a stupid-ass nickname. Okay, I'm starting to get it now. I'm starting to get the nickname now. (laughs) Why? Am I winning, Kyle? It's one nothing. Yes! In favor of no. (laughs) Okay, I'm starting to... And all I did was retweet it. Genuinely, I did not vote. (laughs) You can vote. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to either. It involves me. I can't vote. I get the nickname that, okay, he's a splinter... He's very annoying. It's like this is a, it, this splinter is very annoying, but I respect it. Yeah, ready? You do not call a splinter splendid. You just got clapped back. But yes, that's true too. Bitch. I get it. It's just stupid. <laughs> it's not as stupid as biscuit pants. What? That's stupid too. <laughs> but that's at least hilarious. Yeah, that's at least funny. Who's it's all, stupid, but it's funny. I don't know why. I don't know where Who's it came hands? from. I've never. Why have we not like, heard this before? Muscle hamster is I've, funny. Listen, I've never. It's dumb, but it's funny. I have never read into the origination. Who is it? Who's of biscuit hands? Nickname, we need to do that. You who's need, biscuit hands? This is a secondary yeah, nickname for Lou Gehrig. I've never heard Lou Gehrig. Never heard that before. That. And the only reason I know it That's is because it's though. listed on his baseball reference page. I don't know where it came from, why he was called Biscuit Pants. I always thought it was hysterical. I found it in high school. Maybe he just had biscuits in his pants. Maybe he was a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. A thief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, getting close. Three votes. There we go. Whatever. Roast me. I dare you. It's just another day for me. Okay, we're going to cut the downs now just down to one. Because this has been Because a the splinter discussion has gone on for about ten minutes. This has been it only down. makes sense to one of us. This whole segment is a down. <laughs> Fine. You two, down number one, down number two. Fine. Here we go. I don't yeah. agree, but okay. Down Fine. number three, the NL Central logjam. I looked into this. Well, anybody can, but I looked into the standings thought it was interesting. As of this morning, all Major League Baseball division leaders have at least 74 wins. 
and a 587 winning percentage, except the NL Central. St. Louis is currently edging Chicago, the Cubs, by percentage points at 533 to 532 in the NL Central. The Cardinals are 65 and 57, the Cubs are 66 and 58, and the Brewers, who just got throttled in D.C. yesterday, are 64 and 60. The Redbirds would be in third place in every division but the NL West. The other four divisions that aren't their own or the NL West, they would be third place based on percentage points. Yet they're leading the NL Central. thought that was interesting. I mean, that always happens where, like, some division just has a down year and the next thing you know, you look at it and go, okay. For a large part of it, uh, large throughout the year for hockey last year, it was, holy crap, the Atlantic is stacked. And then a the fourth, Metro was a and the fourth team does eventually pop up from the Metro in the form of the Hurricanes. But mm-hmm. when the Sabres were good, it was the Sabres in Montreal hogging the wild card spots. Boston and Tampa are in a whole other stratosphere, and Toronto's definitely making the playoffs. And then the Metro is kind of like slogging along. Hell, I remember at one point Pittsburgh was in 14th. Right, and it seemed like it had flipped in a matter of years because – I think it was 2016-17 where you had the Blue Jackets rattle off 16 in a row. The Metro was unstoppable, mm-hmm. and you were finding trying to find teams from the Atlantic to squeak in, and then this year it was flip the switch. And then mm-hmm. even in the season, it kind of switched up. Yeah, The good teams kind of showed up again from the Metro, and then the Hurricanes end up sneaking into a wild card to uh, shut the door on the Atlantic. So, yeah, sometimes that happens. 7-9 Seahawks hosting a playoff game. Very true. You know, like these things do happen every now and then. So, it's just very tightly contested for a division race here that is a little subpar. Made me think of the Cardinals in 06. They, they won a wild card spot at 83 and 79. Oof. Two games over 500 and ended up winning the World Series that year. Which is why you saw so many teams hold off on trading this deadline with the. That was before the. The initiation that was, what, of wild card games, 20, 2006. 2006. Holy they beat the Tigers. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, that was way before the addition of wild card games, wild card spots, wild playing card games. Wild, wild card exactly. two did not exist at this time, and they were already thinking all we need is a spot. And now with these, now with so many more teams thinking they have a shot, that's why the trade deadline this year was so quiet because you either got guys bumming it in the sellers or thinking they have a chance, and you know. You have to look no further than that season in 06. That to deal is dead end GM bleeding. for a reason. Like, we really legitimately just need a spot. That and just like the NHL trade deadline, the MLB trade deadline had deals preceding it. Yeah. So all that big fanfare kind of went away when all those bigger deals happened beforehand. All right, guys. Splinters are dumb. Mm-hmm. Um,. Apparently, they sparked fights. But thank you for listening to the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank O. Curry. And Kyle Powell. Yeah, Mr. I'm going to detach my name from the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The splendid splinter himself. splendid splinter. I'm going to throw my hat across the room. How have you guys never heard of it? Then almost fell off a chair. As the guy that usually gets angry in these podcasts... This was quite entertaining. I'm I'm glad. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I got angrier earlier in the podcast. Thank you for listening on WGR550.com, on the radio.com app. 
Bills preseason game. Number three, just get up against the Detroit Lions in Detroit on Friday. I don't care about anything else. Asked Africa carve the starting defense for all I care. Just get up. Don't do anything to get yourself hurt. That's it for me. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. Go Bills. And splinters are not splendid. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.